0: Welcome back to Will's Wide World of Sports. On today's episode, we are talking everything NFL Draft. The Super Bowl is a month old, the NFL Combine is behind us, so it is really time to dive deep into the storylines and everything about the NFL Draft. Uh, And then we're talking movies. We're, We're taking a break from sports, celebrating the Oscars that are this weekend, so I brought on a special guest to talk movies. So let's get started. Welcome back in. I I wanted to start today's podcast talking all about NFL Draft. To me it's one of the most exciting times of the year for the NFL. Yes, games aren't actually being played, but this is when it really matters. This is when teams can not only get better through free agency, but more importantly, the NFL draft. And so what I wanted to do is sort of highlight five key storylines that I'm gonna be watching this NFL draft season all the way leading up to the, the draft at the end of April. And I'll, I'll check back in on them in a little bit. But I think these, these five storylines are going to make or break the draft. So without further ado, I'm going to start with probably the biggest one with the news that broke uh, just yesterday, was the Carolina Panthers decided for whatever reason that they... They liked somebody enough that they wanted to make the big jump up to number one. Now, I I know a lot of people, once that news broke, thought, oh, what are the Panthers doing? Why are they giving up so much? Well, obviously, that's going to be a big question. They obviously liked somebody enough to make that big jump up from number nine to number one. The question is, who is it going to be? I know oddsmakers are saying it's CJ Stroud, but... Do we still see Bryce Young go number one? Do we see an upset and maybe an Anthony Richardson, Will Levis? Or, and this is probably a big rumor, but do we see the Panthers drop back a couple? Maybe they like all the quarterbacks. They don't have one that stands out. And maybe they think, okay, now we've gotten to number one. Maybe we make a trade with the Houston Texans, with the Indianapolis Colts to make sure we still get a quarterback, but we don't have one that we are really honing in on. Now, I, I don't think that's the case. I think they do have somebody in mind, and my guess is it's probably C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State. If you watched the Combine or if you heard anything about the Combine, Anthony Richardson was the one that stood out, and rightfully so. But the the show that C.J. Stroud put on, I think that opens some eyes too. So Stroud went from this Ohio State quarterback, which I don't necessarily agree with that stereotype, but it's certainly out there that Ohio State quarterbacks aren't going in the NFL. But he went from this Ohio State quarterback to somebody who very nearly beat Georgia to somebody who showed up in the combine and to me was the best quarterback that I saw at the combine Yes, Richardson looked electric. Yes, he put up all the athletic numbers. But I think what Stroud did was almost just as impressive and how he threw the ball. Now, the the combine isn't the end-all, be-all. Again, I know lots of people don't like the combine. It looks like just a bunch of players running around a field with, of course, nobody in front of them. You have quarterbacks throwing to wide receivers that they don't know but you can you can sort of tell who who stands out and who more importantly doesn't stand out. You can really really see some flaws. And I think CJ Stroud passed that test with flying flying colors. So I think uh, and who knows if that was a reason why the Panthers decided to move up, but I think that that could have been a reason after the combine and seeing CJ Stroud perform. Now, kind of going off of that point, the bears obviously they're sticking with justin fields that was initially going to be my first storyline is do the bears move the number one pick or do they move justin fields and i think we got our answer and that they're sticking with justin fields so not only did justin fields get the stamp of approval from the new front office but he also got a number one receiver so they are essentially saying justin fields you are our guy Here's DJ Moore from Carolina. Now show us what you can do. Which I think is smart. Give Fields another year or two. Build around him. Give him some pieces. And see where he can go from there. Now going back to Carolina for just a second. History has not exactly been kind to teams making a big jump into the top three for a quarterback. Of course we had Trey Lance in 2021, I don't want to quite call that a bust just yet, but it's not really looking good for the 49ers. We had the Jets move up for Sam Darnold. We had the Bears themselves move move up for Mitch Trubisky. In the same year, we had Jared Goff go number one to the Rams, Carson Wentz go number two to the Eagles, both by trade. And then we had probably the most notable one, of the last 10-12 years, with the then-Washington Redskins moving up for Robert Griffin III, really all of those, you could say besides maybe Jared Goff and maybe RG3 just because it was probably more injury-related, none of those really, really turned out well for the team that was trading up. I mean, you have to go back to what, the Atlanta Falcons trading up for Michael Vick in the early 2000s to really get a clear quarterback that was, in the team's mind, worth it. And even Michael Vick, of course, had his problems. So that's not to say that Panthers fans should be upset, but it's just the facts, and that's what history has told us the last 10 years. When you move up for a quarterback, you better be sure that that quarterback is worth moving up for. Because not only did the Panthers give up their number nine pick, their first round pick next year, a couple other picks, they gave up their best receiver as well. So I don't want to say mortgaging the future, but they are definitely putting their chips into whatever quarterback that they end up selecting. So to me, that's the number one storyline that I think everybody will be talking about leading up to the draft is who actually ends up going number one. For the Panthers I think the second notable storyline for the draft and again these aren't necessarily in order of how important they are I think but the second second storyline that I'll be focusing on is is where Jalen Carter ends up going so if you if you don't know Jalen Carter's story amazing player for the for the Georgia Bulldogs of course wins the national championship probably talent wise the most talented player in this draft I think you could argue between him and Will Anderson. But not exactly the best reports coming from Georgia in terms of work ethic. You know, you could see some of that on the field that he seemed to get tired at times. You know, somebody that's talented, you know, they people can sometimes you know, rest in their laurels and say, "Hey, I'm this amazing talent." Like, why do I need to do the extra work? And, of course, that's where the great players come in. They know how good they are, but they know they can get that much better. And, again, I'm not saying this is Jalen Carter. I do not know him personally, and I think a lot of people don't actually know him. But the reports are the reports, and so that's always concerning. And then probably even more concerning is that the day before the combine, an arrest warrant comes out for him for uh, racing, I think, in the streets of of Georgia with another staff member, uh, and another player, which unfortunately caused a couple deaths. So an arrest warrant went out for Carter. He, and credit to him, went down, left the combine, went back, turned himself in, uh, and was released uh, the next day. Goes back to the combine, and doesn't participate, but he's on the field supporting his his other position mates. So. Of course, the big question is going to be what what those interviews were like because I'm pretty sure he, he was interviewing with teams and I'm sure every single team was of course asking about the situation that had just broke but then asking and trying to get to know him as a person and as a player to see is this player worth taking a high selection on because he can be as talented as he is but if he's not going to be the kind of person that that teams are looking for, I could see him dropping a little bit. So the question is, if he drops, how far does he drop? And are there other defensive players that might pass him? Obviously, somebody like Will Anderson out of Alabama. Again, you could argue him for the best player in this draft. I think it's probably a guarantee now that we see him go first over Carter. But to somebody like Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech, do we see him rise up and potentially get picked over Jalen Carter? Remember, when you're when you're looking at mock drafts throughout the season, even right now at the end of the season, they aren't set in stone. Even looking back to last year, Trayvon Walker wasn't really getting any sort of buzz for the number one pick. Then suddenly things started rolling, and then he goes number one. So I'm not saying that Jalen Carter won't be picked really high. I'm not saying he will get picked really high either. But I think watching that kind of unfold in the next couple months, obviously us as fans, we won't won't be able to really know the details of everything that's happening. But I think that's something to watch the next couple months the teams like the Cardinals, the Seahawks, the Lions, teams that don't clearly need a quarterback, are they going to risk taking somebody like Carter? Or do they go more safe than somebody like Will Anderson or possibly even Tyree Wilson? So Carter's, again, draft stock is something to watch for our second storyline. The third thing that really is probably what most people are curious about, is what order do the top four quarterbacks actually end up going? For those that that don't watch college football or aren't following some of the combine, uh, the names are Bryce Young out of Alabama, the aforementioned CJ Stroud out of Ohio State, Anthony Richardson out of Florida, and Will Levis out of Kentucky. I think this is the first time in a while that we've had four quarterbacks really have a threat to go number one even someone like Will Levis who we'll get into I think is definitely divided amongst the fans and probably teams there was a stretch of time where there was a big rumor coming around that that maybe the Colts move up and select Will Levis number one I think before the Panthers moved up odds were we were, it was probably going to be Bryce Young. Again, based on rumors, based on odds makers in Las Vegas, it sounds like C.J. Stroud might be the favorite now, now that the Panthers have moved up. But I think the reason we have four quarterbacks vying for the number one spot means they're talented, means they are all worthy of going number one. But I think it also shows there's not clear in a way a number one guy. I think there are concerns with each one. And to me, I think C.J. Stroud is the safest, which is probably why the Panthers are interested in him. I know and we talked about the Ohio State concerns and the the lack of quarterbacks from Ohio State having success in the NFL, but I think C.J. Stroud is the most polished passer out of any of them. Plus, he showed against Georgia and their Vaughn defense that he can go up against a quality appoint, opponent like that. And again, like like I mentioned in the first part, he he showed out at the combine, showed that he can throw the ball. Obviously, to receivers, he doesn't know, but I think he's the best kind of pure passer. You know, he has the size, maybe not quite to, you know, Will Levis. Maybe he doesn't quite have the... The touch accuracy, moxie that Bryce Young has, but I think overall, C.J. Stroud is probably the best best bet. Of course, that brings us to Bryce Young, who, again, everybody talks about his size, the fact that he barely weighed in over two hundred pounds at the combine. He's five ten. I think we've we've gone away from that a little bit in the last five or six years. Now that we've had. Obviously, Drew Brees first, Russell Wilson, yeah, Baker Mayfield to an extent. I think we've shied away from the, the idea that, that short quarterbacks can't make it, but it's always a concern. Will they be able to see the field? Will they even be able to stay healthy? So as good of a quarterback as you think Bryce Young is, as good of a team as he was on at Alabama, as good of opponents as he would have played at Alabama, size is always going to be a concern. 'Cause I think if he was six three, he's probably for sure the number one pick. So that that leaves Richardson and Levis. I think Young and Stroud are definitely the I want to say the more sure things, the more pure quarterbacks, the the players that could step in year one and I'm not saying they're gonna light it up. They'll be rookies still, but given all of that, they'll they'll perform okay at least. On the other side we have Richardson and Levis who they're certainly different players, but they both probably need a year or two before they're ready to step in. I know everybody is super excited about Anthony Richardson and all the combine numbers that he put up uh, this past week i'm I'm a little surprised that his combine stats were as big of a deal as people are making them to be i I know they I know he tested off the chart, but when you watch him at Florida, when you hear all the reports of how he's a really good athlete, I'm not really surprised that he put up those numbers. Now I'm surprised they were as good as they were, but when you're a athletic quarterback, you know, of the mold of Cam Newton, Josh Allen, I would expect you to put up numbers like that. But again, they went far and above what I think most people were expecting, which is why it was such a big deal. But the combine was always going to be for Richardson. Like he was always going to show out there. And this isn't to say he's a bad quarterback. He has all the potential of the world. He's 6'4", he's 240. He has a big arm. He can throw deep. But can he learn the ins and outs of actually being a quarterback? That would be the concern. Because when you watch him at Florida... Yes, he had his moments where you're where you're thinking, "Wow, this this is the best player that I've seen in college football this year." But then he also has times where you're like, "Wait, this guy might be the number one pick." Like it it seems like he needs to stay in school. So again, that's the risk that teams are gonna have to deal with. Could he? Could I see him being one of the best quarterbacks in five years? Of course, I can. Can I see him turn into a quarterback that can't really figure out NFL defenses? Or he's so pigeonholed into what he can do really well that he can't learn everything else? Sure, I could see that as well. And I could say the exact same thing about Will Levis, even though he's slightly different player in terms of how he is as a quarterback. Another big, physical, prototypical quarterback in terms of size. Again, he's also 6'4", similar to Richardson. He also has a great big arm. I think he, he certainly struggled at times with Kentucky, definitely regressed this year, but he also really didn't have that good of a team around him. And similar to Richardson, you watch him at times make a couple throws, and you think, okay, big, tall quarterback, makes a great throw, this will be the number one pick. But then you also see him and not even have what a two to one touchdown to interception ratio in college. And you think, well, maybe he's just not cut out to be a quarterback. Maybe he can't learn the ins and outs of actually being an NFL quarterback. So for, for Richardson and Levis, those teams are really going to have to buy into, okay, the tools are here. Now it's up to our coaching staff to develop them into a really top tier quarterback. But because of their physical traits, Somebody's going to do that. So now the question is, in what order? To me, the order that I mentioned, Stroud, Young, Richardson, Levis, that would be my bet at this time. Again, we're a couple months away from the draft. If I had to pick right now, I'd have Stroud going to the Panthers, Bryce Young going to Houston with the second overall pick, and then Arizona's going to sit there at number three. Most likely another team might trade up for either richardson or levis Uh, if not i think the colts sitting at number four will will choose between those two and then again maybe a team trades up and tries to get one more which leads me into the the fourth storyline that i think goes hand in hand with the third one but it's how desperate are the teams that need a quarterback really going to get so we saw the panthers they were desperate for a quarterback they went all in and got the number one pick. But that still leaves the Colts. I know I know they're sitting at number four, but there's a decent chance that quarterback goes one, two, three, four. So if they sit at four, they're going to get the last choice. So do they move up even to number three? Do they convince the Texans that, that they need that number two pick? Hey, going farther back, a team like the Las Vegas Raiders, you know, signs are looking like that that might be a Jimmy Garoppolo spot. If it's not, or even if it is, how desperate are they to move up for somebody like Richardson or Will Levis? Even someone like the Texans, right? The Texans are sitting at number two, even though they really should be at number one. They're sitting at number two thinking, okay, if the Bears don't need a quarterback, you know, maybe they stick at number one. And then we get the pick of any quarterback. But now all of a sudden, obviously the Panthers are picking number one. Do the Panthers call the Texans and then say, Hey, if you want the quarterback for your choice, you know, we're open for business, but it's going to cost you. So how desperate are the Texans? You know, if the if the reports are true that the Texans really like CJ Stroud and the Panthers really like CJ Stroud? then it will become a bidding war for who, who really wants him. So yep. that's the, the, the fourth storyline I'm watching. And those we might get answers for in the next couple weeks leading up to the draft. Because obviously we can see at any point a trade can be made with any of these teams. That brings me to the, uh, the fifth and final storyline that I'll be watching. And this one's a little bit more specific, but I think it's interesting for this draft in particular. And that's who ends up being the first non-quarterback offensive player drafted this year. So if, you, if you're if you looking at mock drafts, if you're getting a sense of who might be picked high, we've already named the top four quarterbacks. You know, we've named Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson. That's, that's seven names. And we haven't even gotten to Christian Gonzalez, Joey Porter Jr., and some of the other cornerbacks that might get drafted. And you start looking at some of the teams that are picking in the top 10. And, you know, there's an outside shot that only defensive players and quarterbacks get drafted in the top 10. And that hasn't happened, at least in the last 10 years. You look back at some of the the drafts these last few years. Of course, last year, we didn't have any quarterbacks go in the top 10 year before that we had three quarterbacks but we also had four skill position players Uh, if you jump back uh, a couple more years 2019 might be the closest in that there was only one skill position player and no offensive lineman gets selected Uh, that was when when kyler murray went first overall we had daniel jones also in the top 10 but then mainly just defensive players and then tj hawkinson uh, out of iowa uh, a tight end being the only non-quarterback offensive player to get drafted. 2018, that might be a, a good comparison for this draft in the fact that we had four quarterbacks go on the top 10 in 2018. But that, that was also the year that we had Saquon Barkley go number two overall. So again, I would I would doubt that we don't see a, a skill position player or an offensive lineman go in the top 10, at least at this point. But once you start breaking down the top 10, I think there's a chance that we don't. So that, that gets back to the question of even if they don't go in the top 10, who's the first player going to be drafted? couple names to keep an eye on. Uh, Peter Skaronsky out of Northwestern. Sounds like he'll probably be a guard in the NFL, which, again, based on positional value, probably limits his his appeal in the top 10. But I think he could turn out to be a really good guard in the NFL. He's probably the best shot at an offensive lineman getting into the top 10 unlike last year when we had three offensive linemen, it doesn't seem to be that strong of a draft, at least at the top end for offensive linemen. I think there's a couple wide receivers that might squeak in, but again, they're probably more mid to late first round. You know, somebody like Quentin Johnston out of TCU, Jordan Addison, you know, I, I don't think they're top 10 talents. I don't think they're the to the level of, you know, even Garrett Wilson who went number 10 overall last year to the Jets. So I think, again, similar to offensive linemen, slightly weaker at the top of the draft for wide receivers. Honestly, the the two most interesting names, or two most interesting positions at least, are running back and tight end, who you usually don't see in the top 10 unless you have a real talent that deserves it. In in recent history, we've had Saquon Barkley go up as high as as number two overall. Even a couple years ago, we had Kyle Pitts go number four overall, I believe. So it it can be possible, and and people will argue if that's worth it. But does somebody like Bijan Robinson, does he sneak into the top 10? You know, if he's as talented of a running back as people say he is, you know, comparing at least prospect-wise to somebody like Saquon Barkley, who went number two overall, does a team sitting in the back half of the top 10 say, okay, all the quarterbacks are gone, you know, There's not really a an offensive lineman that's worth taking, not really a wide receiver. Why don't we just take the best player available and be John Robinson? Now, I'm not necessarily advocating for that. I'm not saying that will happen, but it's an interesting name to watch. Uh, the other two are the, the two tight ends, Dalton Kincaid, Michael Meyer, out of Utah and Notre Dame, respectively. Tight end, not exactly the the best position to pick really high but if you can get somebody like Travis Kelsey and I'm not saying either of them are but if you can get someone to that level and you know you're going to get somebody to that level I think it's a no-brainer to to pick them higher but obviously the question will be do either of those tight ends, does B. John Robinson are they going to become one of the top at their position automatically because I think if you're picking somebody that high, they have to. So right now I'm going Skaronski, probably the first non-quarterback offensive player drafted. But I think there's still a long ways to go. There could be a wide receiver that stands out from the rest. Maybe we hear a running back or tight end. That's the, the beauty of the draft. And beauty of the buildup to the draft is that we hear nonstop rumors and we have to kind of pick apart what's real what's smoke because we're going to be seeing a lot of that in the next month and a half so to recap five storylines what do the panthers do do they stay at number one most likely and who do they pick where does Jalen carter end up falling if at all and is is there anybody that might surpass him as the best defensive player again besides will anderson number three what what order do these four quarterbacks go in I think right now there's a, at least to me, a a kind of a clear order. But that doesn't mean that one of these teams doesn't see Anthony Richardson, doesn't see Will Levis, and say, oh, wait, this is our guy. Similar to number three is number four. How desperate are some of the quarterback needy teams? And number five, who is the first non-quarterback offensive player get drafted? And where does he get drafted? Because I think where is even possibly more interesting than the first. So like I mentioned, I will be kind of following those five questions, those five storylines all the way up into the draft. I will probably check in with them uh, in a few weeks. And then obviously in the lead up to the draft, we will hopefully have some more answers. But then of course, at the end of April, we will get all of those answers once the draft actually happens. So we're going to take a, a quick break. Uh, and then after the break, a special guest is coming on and we are strain away from sports a little bit. Uh, the Oscars are this weekend. So I wanted to talk some movies. So we are gonna do the Popular Movie Awards from 2022 in in honor of the Oscars being this weekend. So stick around for that, but let's take a quick break. All right, we are back uh, with a very special guest. My girlfriend here. is here. We're, we're taking a break from sports. We're talking movies. Mm-hmm. The Oscars are this weekend. We go and see a lot of movies, so I thought that was perfect. So, excited to have you on.
1: Thanks. I'm excited to be here, talk about some movies, because yes. you know I'm going to get on your head about the ones you disagree with me on. Just yes,
0: so. you always do. I feel like every time <laughs> we see a movie, somebody's, somebody's arguing with, with somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, the Oscars are this weekend. I don't, I don't think either of us are really big movie critics. Uh, no. I think we enjoy going to movies. Obviously, we're gonna have stuff we disagree with, stuff we don't like. But for the most part, you know, we love going to see the Avatars, the Black Panthers, the Top Guns of the world. Like, mm-hmm. no, no disrespect to the Fablemans, Tar, Banshees of Inisharan, movies that we haven't <laughs> seen, movies that I'm sure you don't even know existed.
1: No, I I didn't know the names of any of those things. Yeah, I, I don't think
0: thought. you. I, those were movies <laughs> I just said. In case you were wondering. Uh, so we're, we're not going to talk about the best picture nominees. We're not going to talk about the best acting and go dive deep into that. We're going to do popular movie awards. So we made up a few different categories that we that we liked, that we like to debate about in our free time. So we're going to go through those now. I think without further ado, let's jump into the first category. And that will be best side character or best friend. Just... I i can already see in your face we're going to disagree with this i
1: have a question yes go ahead okay so when you say best friend does that mean that they have like would you say they have like substantial like time in the movie like air time in the movie
0: side characters can't have substantial air time but to me a main character is like the movie is focused around this character
1: Hmm, okay just i was just asking getting clarification
0: okay well, I, I will go first because I, I feel like there's <laughs> going to be a disconnect here. Uh, I could have gone more more side side characters in the sense of like Riri Williams in Black Panther. You know, was in the movie for a decent chunk, but wasn't focused on a lot. Uh, somebody like Korg in Thor. Somebody like Wong and Doctor Strange. Even somebody like Splat in the Strange World. If you've seen The Strange World, uh, you know the little, the little splat-like character that doesn't talk. Like, that's a side <laughs> character. Uh, I'm going to go with, with somebody from Devotion. His character name was Tom Hudner, played by Glenn Powell, the, the Top Gun guy.
1: Mm.
0: I, I see it in your face. I don't... To me, he's definitely a side character. You know, the movie is about Jesse Brown. It's about uh, his, his life, his journey, what he went through. Yes, Tom Hudner, Glenn Powell was in the movie a lot, but the movie's not about him. He was to me, the clear definition of a side character in the sense of he was there supporting Jonathan Major's character. so to me, the journey that the two of them kind of went on, he was a really different character than the one he played in Top Gun. Again, was there just a really good side character, a really good friend uh to me that really stood out this year, so i see it in your face i i don't think you're gonna agree with me I'm but just, i'm just i well
1: when you we talk about the title side character i'm thinking you know for me i chose uh the lost city and i'm choosing channing tatum as the side character for all the reasons that you just said as he is supporting the main character which is sandra bullock but to you right he is the movie is shaped around him and i think Again, he is a character in her book that she wrote and I think he the movie depicts him his character as growing to fall in love and, and with Sandra Bullock and announcing his love for her um, But to me he was a side character because he supported her like everything was about her. it was her book and so he was the main character in her book. But still her side character, like he only went to save her because his love for her. But I think that it was mainly about her and her um her knowledge. She had to read like the unwritten words or whatever for the place that they were trying to visit. I can't think of it, but, um off of the top of my head. But yeah, I think he was just funny and I wasn't used to seeing him in this type of character again magic mike step up this tone do this this big strong guy who was always he's always showing his talent in his movies and so this one was different for me where he was kind of more of the the vulnerable guy the guy who had to step uh step up um and yeah so i really liked that character change for him
0: okay uh, that I, I don't want to spend too much time on it i, I agree i like the character but if you imagine a a movie poster for the movie Is Sandra Bullock going to be the one person in the middle or are the two of them going to be in the movie poster?
1: That's a good question. I think it would be both of them.
0: Okay. So, but he's still a side character?
1: He's still her side character. Yeah.
0: Okay. okay. right. agree to disagree, but we'll move on. Mm -hmm. I do. I mean, I do like the character. Uh, Let's move on to the next award. Next category. Best love connection. Now, again, Mm -hmm. love can mean lots of different things it can be uh, a romantic love a a platonic love it can be friends it can be family i'm curious to see which which path you go down because again there's lots of different ways you can define this but where are you going for best love connection this year
1: there are two movies to me that stood out i think marry me for what it was right a rom-com but another one for me was ticket um to paradise
0: with the the divorced parents Yes, we're I, about I will explain. Yep, okay. we're,
1: we're talking about the same movie. Nothing Thank about, you. nothing like
0: love that says divorce. I
1: will explain.
0: Okay. Go ahead.
1: So with Ticket to Paradise, right? So between the two, I think I lean more to Ticket to Paradise. And I think the reason for that was the journey of them. You can see throughout the movie, them, try, them developing more love for one another. Um, so in the beginning, it's this very addictive arguing and right, you know, People say that, you know, if you're still arguing with people or it's still, it just shows that you care, right? Like, you know, divorce is like, okay, I'll go my way. You go your way. Um... But, you know, when they were around trying to support their daughter, there was just a lot of addictive and it was quite funny, right, in that way. Um, but I think as, you know, they watched the daughter fall in love and and choose her life over the life that they wanted for her, I think they started to have to come together. And probably not in the best way, but when they did come together, you really did see this unexpected ending of them actually uh, falling in love again. And like I said, for Mary, the difference between Mary and me was that, you kind of expected them to come together, right? It was a a weird beginning, but I liked that. I wasn't expecting that with Ticket to Paradise, and I liked that they genuinely—I mean, of course, they were parents—genuinely loved their daughter. But I think that is what brought them both back together. So, okay.
0: I I will accept that reasoning. And oh, okay. I I mean, I do like the ending when they they realize they jump off the boat and then they're yes, they're like yes, I want to
1: mm-hmm.
0: like we're gonna jump in the journey together. Mhm. I mean it always helps when you have George Clooney and Julia Roberts, two big actors in that role. Um so I yeah. can uh, I can accept that. I I'm going to go a slightly different route for my definition of love. I had Mary Me on my list. Of course, that's the more traditional like rom-com style like you said. I did have Ticket to Paradise on my list, although I didn't didn't go with them. You could go the family love route and say Avatar 2. You could go the, like love triangle of Cyrano. I don't, I don't think you saw Cyrano, but that's a, it was a, not your traditional love triangle, but you had still kind of love in different ways. So I think that mm-hmm. it was pretty much what that movie was about. I, I could go Tom Cruise and his love of airplanes.
1: That's just not even that. No. I think.
0: No. Can I go with that one? <laughs> not. No. He loves airplanes. So much. he loves <laughs> love his, his F his 18s. Okay. He just wants to go All flying. Right. No. Okay. I won't go that way. Mm-hmm. You know I'm a cat person, but that doesn't mean I don't like uh, dogs too. Especially <laughs> on screen, when you see dogs or like any animals, there it's just hard to say no to that movie. So for sure. that that uh that reason, I'm gonna go with the movie Dog, and again another Channing Tatum movie. Him and the dog that he was taking care of, to me was a great love story, mm-hmm. in a different way than. Uh, a romantic love story might be right in the beginning he was kind of a mess the dog didn't want to cooperate with anybody Mm -hmm. they were kind of forced to go on this road trip together but then created this lifelong bond that ended up at the end of the movie spoilers if you haven't seen it but i think you can gather that they became best friends there was this love connection and now they are family for life so to me to me that really stood out it might be the dog part of it it's hard to say no to animals on screen
1: really what kind of i just want to know if you know what kind of dog was it
0: you know i'm not a dog person <laughs> it's it's just a dog <laughs> i don't know that doesn't matter okay it, it's a dog you know when when a movie kills off an animal like that's almost more mm-hmm. sad when they kill off a human mm-hmm. there's just something like we love animals so to yeah. me it was a, uh, not because it was an animal but it was just a loving story and i think a really good connection so I had to go with dog.
1: Yeah. Yeah, sure. I think that speaks to how like how well the movie was, right? Like, you know, for you to connect well with like the the how the animal was portrayed for Channing Tatum's role. I think I, I would agree with that. That. I like your reasoning.
0: Uh, one other movie I want to shout out for this. I, th- I, I think I saw it without you. I don't think you've seen it. I th- think it's on Netflix or it's on one of the streaming services. It didn't come out in theater. Uh, but a small movie called Rescued by Ruby. Um, I only watched it because it uh, it stars Grant Gustin who played The Flash I like The Flash so I had to watch it but (laughs) a very similar story to Dog uh, where his character was sort of at a kind of hard place in his life, didn't know what to do I I don't want to spoil the movie but then Ruby is a dog in that movie so he was kind of rescued by Ruby so another touching story that I wanted to shout out sort of a hidden gem you might say Hmm. Uh, speaking of hidden gems that happens to be our next uh, <laughs> next category. Talk about a segue. Uh, Hidden Gem, we are defining Hidden Gem as, you know, a movie that not everybody knows about that we think is worth watching. So I would assume most people have either watched or know about, you know, Black Panther, Avatar, Top Gun, you know, even some of the smaller slash big movies like Batman, Jurassic World, you know, the blockbuster movies that most people have seen. We're gonna kind of stray away from that and go towards the smaller movies that, you know, you might be scrolling on Netflix and you're like, yeah, that movie doesn't seem like much, but we think is an actual good movie. So I, I have a couple of choices, but I'm curious to see where you're gonna go for your hidden gem. Um
1: yeah, I also have a couple of choices. Um first one for me was Rise uh stars Giannis basketball player for uh the Bucks and I liked that one a lot at first it was funny because I didn't know the movie was about him I think you had to tell me that once Uh, or twice
0: yeah during the movie I think we started that movie and I said oh let's watch this movie it's about the Antetokounmpo brothers I don't think you heard me.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, so. I think it was the last name that threw me off. I was Probably. like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, let's let's watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, okay. um, you don't
0: you don't listen to me. That's fine.
1: Yes, I do. Don't play.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so. Yeah, with that movie, it was really, you could appreciate more about who he is as a player. I always like when, you know, you see these big famous people, like especially basketball players, and you don't know their life, right? You just see them play and people kind of, they get judged right on the screen for something that they did right, or they didn't do, or sorry, something they did wrong. And so I think... To be able to see his story, I think I appreciated more, him more as a person. Um, and I also liked the movie Hustle, which was on Netflix with Adam Sandler. And also um, there were some other NBA players who were acting in there. I really liked that one. Again, same storyline of just seeing them grow, seeing them have to grind for what they want in order to see the uh, better outcome. Um, and then the last one was Breaking for me based on a true story it was a different different type of like energy for me that i got from the movie but i was really just like in tune with what was going on so i think overall i chose hustle i think i just i really liked it the the most and um i i think it was really exciting to see nba players act as well and being able to point out like oh this person's from this team or oh this person's doing this so um i think that was the most exciting for me
0: Uh, i guess i'll just jump right into it i had hustle too as my pick for hidden wow. gem i know we agree on something for once mm-hmm. but i think i think we i really wanted to watch it because i like basketball and it's like oh it's a movie just with a bunch of basketball players and so i was like oh this is a perfect movie we both like basketball let's watch it mm-hmm. but i think it's something that even if you don't know basketball even if you don't know all the nba players that that cameo in this you can still appreciate the movie because it's actually a good movie. You know, it's not like one of those that is just meant for basketball fans. I think it's an actual like story that everybody can relate to. Yeah, I agree. Again, Mm -hmm. I think it's still on Netflix. You know, if you have Netflix, anybody can just go and and watch it. But it's a story that, again, like I said, everybody can relate to, even if you haven't played basketball, even if you don't know the game of basketball. It's a story about heart and hustle and just Mm -hmm. working for what Mm -hmm. you really want. So I think that may be the only time this podcast that we agree on something, but hopefully that's not. So we're both going for hustle there. I have a bad feeling that this next one might get a little contentious (laughs) because I don't know if you're going to agree with my definition of most improved.
1: Oh, great. Here we go. So just
0: quickly, we're going most improved. I, I know it sounds like a, you know, a sports award. You know, if you're playing sports when you're younger, you might have won most improved for movies. We're saying most improved as a sequel. So we had a lot of sequels this year from Sonic the Hedgehog to Sing to Minions, all the superhero movies, Top Gun, Avatar. Those were sequels as well. So did they improve from the previous movie? I will go first, maybe <laughs> a little bit. Um, how do I put this? You may disagree, but I'm going to go Avatar 2 for my most improved. Mm. Not because I think Avatar 1 was really bad, but I think the rhetoric behind the first movie was that Mm -hmm. the visuals were so good. Nothing like we've ever seen before. It made the most money ever that has since been surpassed by Avengers. Just have to shout that out.
1: Mm. Look at your shirt.
0: Yeah, I got to support Marvel when I can. (laughs) I think that the rhetoric behind the movie was all about how good the visuals are, but the story itself wasn't that good because people would look back and they'd say, how is that movie the most, you know, the most profitable movie all time? Say, I mean, it was, it was amazing, but it was just kind of like a, like an average movie. So I think the, I guess you could say the expectations for this movie were, were maybe a little bit subdued. Oh, okay. So you could say, like, like I don't know, like, this is this movie going to be actually that good? But I thought Avatar 2 was actually a really good movie. Not only did the visuals and the visual effects, I think, step up from where they were in 2009. Mm-hmm. I think the story in this case was a lot better. And it was a lot better actual movie instead of just a spectacle, which I think we were all expecting. So that's how mm-hmm. I define Most Improved for Avatar 2 but I'm getting a sense that you may disagree
1: about your choice for Avatar 2?
0: Yes. I don't know, you're no, giving me think, some look I like mean, I don't know.
1: I I mean I think that makes sense. Yeah, like I would agree. Like when watching the first Avatar I was like, yeah, I'm kind of missing what's happening, but like I said the second one being about family and their journey, I totally I can feel that. I think this category for me, I had two <laughs> no, uh, the first one for me was Black Panther two. And sure,
0: everybody's common choice for most improved because the Black Panther one was so bad. You no, may be the only I... person were that you thinks saying,
1: that. Were you saying the Black Panther? Uh, were you saying Avatar? The first one was bad.
0: No, good point. I mean, oh, okay, it wasn't yeah. great, but I thought yeah, the first Black Panther was great.
1: What what stood out to me about what you said was the expectations right? Because people okay. had expectations, um, with Avatar 2 that, you know, it was just going to be this big movie and yeah, it was just going to be this big movie, but the story, the characters, what, what did that look like? Um, so for me, my expectations from Black Panther 1, uh, or the first Black Panther and then Black Panther 2, um, was I didn't know what it was going to look like without Chadwick. I didn't know what, what, the, you know, how they were going to, uh, portray Black Panther. Was there going to be Black Panther? Was going to be multiple, right? And so, I really liked the way that they honored him in Black Panther 2, um, you know, Sherry being this um, kid who had such great knowledge about technology and f- her feeling like she was at a loss couldn't be, wasn't able to save her brother. Um, so I just liked that connection and it was celebratory, like it was celebrating him um, and her rem- remembering him um, and then her, her grieving process with that. So I just thought the way that they incorporated him I thought it would be a little bit more sad, and so I thought it improved based upon what we knew. It was happening outside of just like the typical, the typical Black Panther. But I also thought you might be a little bit surprised. Doctor Strange two was okay. was most was improved. Um, okay. That one was uh, uh yeah that was a lot for me. Um, well, <laughs> it, so you
0: didn't you didn't like the first Doctor Strange? Let's make that clear, relatively oh, I I speaking. To all the other marvel movies
1: sure yeah and so this one i guess you know i'm also not a huge marvel person right so like i it was a little bit difficult i mean hey i'm just putting this out there anyway but i i I understood more about what was happening but i think what was really good about the movie was the horror part and i'm not i hate scary movies like i do not like scary movies at all but i think like I really felt for Wanda in why she wanted her her a relationship with her kids right and what was what happened in the show right and how that connected but I think that it was such a big improvement there were a lot of just weird things happening but I was engaged the whole time and it wasn't like I had no idea what was going on but I was like okay I get it and I have questions and I think to me that was a big improvement like there was just a lot happening and I was like oh yeah like is there gonna be an, like, can we do another one? <laughs> so yeah.
0: I don't, I don't know how to put this, but I, I, I 100% agree with what you just said. I know that's rare, but I 100% agree with what you just. Who <laughs> are so
1: annoying. I'm agreeing with you. That's a good thing. Wow. I don't not,
0: know not with Black wow. Panther. I think that's somewhat of a stretch. But with Doctor Strange, wait, wait, I, let's I enjoy... go
1: back. Why is that a stretch? Why is that a stretch?
0: I, I guess I get what you're saying with Black Panther, how based on your expectation for the movie without mm-hmm. Chadwick, it improved, but I, the first Black Panther was so good. It, I don't want to say it got worse, but it didn't improve in that sense. So it's, I, I, I sort of really get it. You really someone
1: but, who advocated for Namor. You loved you Yeah, some I love Namor. Yes, we have so best character coming up, So isn't that an improvement?
0: Yes, but that doesn't mean I didn't really like the first black panther. But that's not what I'm agreeing with your Doctor Strange point. Yet mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I I agree I am not a horror person, but I could appreciate the like small horror elements in the movie and I I think that movie people had such high expectations for that movie that when it came out it was a little disappointing. But mm-hmm. I think looking back a lot of people are saying no, that was that was a good movie. Like mm-hmm. I think for the most part, I think a lot of people would agree that I improved from the first one. So I think that's a fair pick. I'm assuming you're going with that one or are you going back to, to Black Panther?
1: <laughs> can you, I have two?
0: You got to pick one?
1: All right, Doctor Strange.
0: Okay. All right, let's, let's move on to the next award. Uh, we're going most emotionally impactful movie of 2022. So again, th- you can take this. Obviously, it's a subjective choice. But because it's it's what you were emotionally impacted by the most. So where are you sure. going with for most emotionally impactful movie of 2022?
1: Hands down for me, I think it was Avatar 2. Okay. Yeah. I think the uniqueness of like, again, these creatures, these avatars that were created and how I could connect to each character, even though it wasn't a human experience. And so to me, that spoke to how well the movie was. And I think, you know, just different characters, I think they all have their own journey and I was so invested into what that looked like towards the end of the movie. I mean, three hours, right? Like, people don't just go. My family's like, yeah, Marlisha, I'm not going to watch that movie.
0: You but didn't I'm like, want no, to go watch it. Go watch, that watch
1: movie. it. Well, wa- seeing that it was three hours, exactly. But then now I, I've watched it and I was so invested. I was like, I can watch more. Like, mm-hmm. I can do more. And so I think, you know, people can't, you can't just, the movie has to be good if it's going to be that long, yeah. right? It has to be impactful. And I think there was, um, intentionality behind developing each character in the family that really stood out to me um and like i said even though it was unique as far as like um the water the setting and just the things that they they did the culture you know i couldn't connect with but it was like i could make that connection to what that would mean for me in the real world and that's why i think it was emotionally Mm -hmm. impactful
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and i think credit to james cameron the director all the actors Mm -hmm. i mean it's essentially a a cgi movie but right. to elicit that reaction from not yes. just you but everybody yeah like it's that's impressive and i think there's going to yeah. be a lot of pressure on avatar 3 that i think comes out sure. next year
1: oh well yeah. you know, there's
0: not going to be of course the visuals are going to be good i think we're already we're we're past that but because the story was so good for this one there's going to be pressure on the other ones to, to live yeah. up to that. Um, I didn't, I didn't have on that on my list for most emotionally impactful, although I can, I can see why I I wanted to go black Panther two. just because of the, the Chadwick element. And I think there were scenes that were really emotional, uh, specifically the, the end scene when, when Shuri's just kind of reflecting on, on their life together. But I think they, they purposely tried to make it more of a celebration, um, Obviously for them, they were really close with Chadwick. They probably didn't want to film these super emotional scenes. Sure. So I think they could have made it more emotional, um, but I, I appreciate that they didn't. Instead I'm going to go with Devotion. I know we talked about it briefly before. I think for me, what makes it more emotionally impactful is just knowing that this actually happened to somebody. You know, this isn't just a story that somebody made up. You know, what, what Jesse Brown... Uh, played by Jonathan Majors, went through just seeing that on screen, and then, you know, I guess if you haven't seen that mo- this movie yet, I would recommend it, and I would also mute the podcast for like ten seconds because I'm gonna spoil the end. <laughs> but I think knowing that, knowing that everything he went through was obviously very emotional, and then him him dying at the end, to me also just was kind of the the last straw for me in terms of how emotional it was because i'm used to movies ending in a positive way at least even if it's a hard movie you're like okay like there's some uplifting message at the end and there there obviously was with this movie but i wasn't even thinking when he when he crashes that he's not going to make it it's like yeah. this is a movie he's the main character he's going to make it and then suddenly i started thinking wait a minute i don't think he's going to make it and then he doesn't the scene with uh, like I mentioned, Glenn Powell's character, Tom Hudner, talking with his wife at the funeral. I don't know. It just hits different because it's it actually happened. So, yeah, to me, that, that th- has to be. Yeah,
1: it. I think for me that ba- the movies based on a true story. It I leave with a different I leave with carrying weight of that emotion so not looking at it as like a movie that's like emotionally impactful and then i'm like oh that was a good movie like you know but knowing that it's based upon a true story i think i carry that and i'm like wow someone really experienced this in their life like wow like that was like that was hard so i think if for me it feels like when i think about the movie i'm like oh man like i was really sad yeah
0: yeah it does i can see that for some people just it's almost too emotional you're like wait somebody yeah. actually went through this like i yeah like no this mm-hmm. is bad so i get that
1: yeah
0: all right i think we've hit sort of the quote unquote smaller awards now we're gonna get slightly bigger slightly oh i don't know to me more fun the most interesting <laughs> awards i believe we have four left uh, let's I start know. with best song choice Uh-oh. and to me there's clear in a way a best song I, I, can, I can hear arguments for others, but I think I have the best song choice. I, I don't.
1: I, oh, wow. That's just very confident of you. Yes. I, I,
0: I think I, I'm assuming we'll have the same one. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. I'll, I'll let you okay. go first.
1: Well, why don't we do it at the same time since you're so confident we'll have the same one.
0: Okay, sure. All right. We can Count
1: hit. down together. Three, two, one.
0: Sure. Are we saying the movie okay. or the, the song name? Uh, Song name. Song name? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Go ahead.
1: Ready? Three, two, one. Mary. I ain't worried. (laughs) (laughs) Well. uh,
0: (laughs) Uh, Apparently we didn't have the same one.
1: No, we did not. Okay. You want to explain? No, go ahead.
0: I think mine's self-explanatory, but you go ahead.
1: Oh, that's, man, that's some, just some confidence there. I am very confident Um, with my answer here i do. so marry me specifically the ballad version in the movie marry me with jennifer lopez um there was a scene with her ex-fiance where they are actually singing and performing the ballad song that they created together which was a song that she was going to get married to him but found out he was cheating and i think for me it was like whoa like this seems so powerful it looked like they were actually performing um like real life and I guess the way that they presented that I was like I really resonated with that um and it's such a nice song it's it's very simple the the lyrics are very simple but I said I think it was the performance so I think it's the scene and the song that really that really did it for me and you know obviously like I still love to listen to that song in my own time um but I think when you watch that scene you're like yeah this is powerful
0: I I don't disagree because I had it second on my list oh and
1: Second,
0: oh, second the best. Sure. Yeah, I think and you know me. <laughs> you know how much I like musicals. Yeah. A lot of my favorite movies, whether it's La La Land, Greatest Showman, even this year, Marry Me, which I don't know if constitute a musical, but obviously was song focused. You know how much I loved Lyle Lyle Crocodile, even though it's a kid's movie. Yay. I had I had <laughs> Top of the World from Lyle Lyle Crocodile as an option. I had Marry Me. I also had the song On My Way. From Marry Me. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you haven't seen the movie, but you've seen the trailer, that's the song I think in one of the trailers. That's a good one. So, but to me, it's still far and away the clear choice is I Ain't Worried, which shows how much I believe it was the best song of the year for the movie. If you haven't seen Top Gun, you should see it for lots of reasons, but the scene when they are essentially bonding as a team at the beach and we hear i ain't worried for the first time it was it was a good scene, it's the perfect worry. song for that moment <laughs> like far and away easily the best song of the year for what it needed i mean it's a great song anyways like we were just listening to it this morning mm-hmm. i think it's a perfect song for you know if you got a summer barbecue or yes, if you're going to the beach summertime.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: it's a great song in its own right but it's the perfect song for this movie and for that scene you know in eight years seven years we'll do maybe a a look back at movies from this decade it's gonna be really hard to top best song for the decade for me <laughs> I think it's that good so I cannot be persuaded otherwise okay that's I'm not gonna away.
1: try because <laughs> I agree I think that was a great scene I love that song Thank still you. for me though like that was more marry me Okay, um, you can
0: you don't better. have to debate the other side it's okay you can admit oh Oh, you can admit you lost.
1: Just it's ooh, uh, like I want to take mm-mm. a minute
0: just to listen to the song, and then we can jump back into it. That's how good it was. Oh okay. Okay we we took a little break. I had it. I had to listen to. I ain't worried. Little little <laughs> three minute side break. Uh, let's let's finish up. We're almost done. We got, I think three categories left. Okay.
1: Uh oh, the big
0: ones. Three, I think the more interesting ones are we see the bigger ones uh we still have best movie which we'll save to the end best character and then best scene so these are to me the three biggest ones what's the best scene you've seen what's the best character you saw and the best movie you saw this year
1: is there an expectation those are all the same movie
0: not necessarily Hmm. i have i they are not all the same for me Hmm. i will just say that okay okay Let's start with Best Scene. And I'm curious to see where you go with this. <laughs> okay. Cuz this isn't this isn't quite like the the song choice for I Ain't Worried. Like that one I think was far like I was I had the right answer. Like these are subjective answers <laughs> and I had the right answer <laughs> yep. for that one.
1: Got it. Got it.
0: Best Scene, I I really like my answer, but I think there's you could go a lot of different ways. So Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Best You want me to go first? Best sure. Scene. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. I had two others that didn't quite make the cut. <laughs> I I had to bring in a Marvel movie as a as a Marvel fan. Uh oh. I'm wondering. I think I d- okay. I didn't have I didn't have a lot of Marvel answers for these. Maybe that's because it was a slightly weaker year for Marvel, but to me one of the best scenes of the year, Marvel or otherwise, was the scene with in Doctor Strange no. with Wanda. No. This isn't my answer. Okay. So I'm curious to see if it's your answer, but I guess I won't say much, as in case it is your answer. The scene with Wanda and the scene with the Illuminati. I I don't know how much the Illuminati impacted you, because I don't know how much you knew going into that. But that was a really big deal, seeing John Krasinski come in, hmm. uh, seeing just that whole cast, whether it was Captain Carter, Professor Xavier. I I think seeing them just in its own right was a great scene. Yeah. But then seeing them try to attack Wanda and Wanda just obliterate them. Again, I don't I don't like horror, I don't like violence.
1: She took their lives.
0: But that was a good scene. Mm-hmm. So I had that up there. Uh, the other the other one I've already talked about, the beach scene with I Ain't Worried. I had to throw that sure. in consideration. Okay. I think the song did it for most sure. for the most yeah. part, so I that kept sense. that for song. Instead, I'm going top gun just a different scene. Oh. I'm going with the scene I didn't know quite how to call it I called it the the test run scene so if you remember in the movie Tom Cruise has been Maverick, he's been let go they're like this isn't working, we only have a week left oh. it's not possible all the students are in the classroom they're saying, okay, no, we're not going to do it in two minutes we're going to do it in four minutes so, uh. You know, it, it'll be possible the students are like, wait, aren't we going to be shot down? and then they get the alert they're like see i'm I'm getting chills already thinking about it <laughs> they get the alert like wait somebody's in the test run and then next thing you know it's it's maverick mm-hmm, it's tom cruise mm-hmm. going he's like you know what i'm going to show you it's possible in two minutes and 15 seconds or whatever they had to do yeah. it in
1: yeah
0: the flying of course is amazing because it's real just seeing the intensity and just the dramatic effect of it you know not not to the level of like devotion or breaking or yeah. movies like that which are obviously intense but intense for different reasons this was like it elicited the right emotion yeah i agree and then of course he does it and i don't know i'm I'm getting chills just thinking about it mm-hmm. I, to me it was my favorite scene in the movie and when i was going through all the other movies trying to find scenes i, I didn't find one that stood out as much as that one so oh, okay that's where i'm going but i'm curious to see where you go
1: yeah no, I'd like that too. Sitting, I remember sitting with you in the theater and I like, like grabbed your hand. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is crazy. Yes. Um, yeah, so I totally feel that. When I thought about best scene, I thought about what, maybe not one that like, I thought like would be like memorable to me or like when I chose best scene, I chose like, what did it do for me in that moment for that movie? And so to me, it was hands down. Like I, I didn't have options to go through. To me, it was hands down. Doctor Strange, when they entered the tunnel after he opened it up with a watch, um, there's water coming, coming f- or yeah, water coming down. And next thing you know, the water freezes. You know, he turns uh, around and then Wanda has that jump scare. This is she after she didn't killed everybody. And she was going after what she wanted. Like she was just nonstop. like she was going to get what she wanted. And I think honestly, she made that movie. Like I was just like very like taking it back. And I think because again, it was that horror piece that I was not expecting. I think it really to me it was like, okay, like I think we've talked about this before too, where most Marvel villains they, like, they're, they're a villain, but they, it's like, they, they come from, um, a place that you can kind of resonate with or or relate to. And for her, it was like, she wanted to be with her kids. Like, it's like, oh, like, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but the way she went about it. Right. And so that jump scare, like, was like, okay, with the blood on her face, like, and she's limping and she's coming after you. And, um, I just thought that was like, okay, like that, I didn't sleep that night, to be honest, because that movie was, um, (laughs) yeah, that was a little too, too much for me, but I, but it was good, right? Like I had mm-hmm. questions. I wanted to know more.
0: Yeah. I, I think you can't go wrong with that scene. I also liked the scene when she takes control of 838 Wanda. Oh gosh. I, I don't want to get this, get into like a too deep into to Marvel, make this a Marvel podcast, sure. but when she takes control of 838 Wanda, mm-mm, it's kind mm-mm. of a struggle. Mm-mm. And then a great acting by Elizabeth Olsen. She, you I, can see yes. when she kind of relaxes. She's like, "Oh, like I'm in." And then she turns and looks at the camera.
1: Mm-hmm. I know.
0: Scene. As somebody who does, her, does no, not does not like horror. great scene. All right, I think, I think we have two left. Let's go sure. with, let's go with best character, and then we'll finish it off with best movie. For me, I, I'll let you go first. But for me, best character was hard because there wasn't a clear choice for me. I think there were a couple options, but I didn't have a clear favorite. Even the one I picked, I don't necessarily love. So I'm curious to see sure. if you have one that's far and away the best character this year.
1: Yeah, I I would say my pick was the same. Like I'm like, uh, obviously great, but yeah, not like 100% mm-hmm. like set. So for me, I chose um Shuri from Black Panther. I thought she was the best character because I, I really appreciated her character development. I think coming at this from like a humanities lens and being like a social worker, you look at like the different steps of like grieving. And I think I, we saw most of that, right? Like as she was um, grieving, you know, her brother and grieving her mother, which was like, a you know, another unexpected loss for her. But I think for her, she really had to step up and I wasn't, I guess I just wasn't expecting that from her in the way that, in the way that she did or expecting Marvel to have her step up. I think her becoming Black Panther was not in the way that you wanted it to be, right? Like she, she, this, she finally um, was able to solve uh, or make the, is it the herb? I mm-hmm. mm-hmm. forgot what it, what it was. Yeah. She was able to make that. And you thought it would have been this like, great, like happy moment, but it was kind of like this, like, I, I got to do this. Like somebody has to do it. And and when she fell asleep, seeing Killmonger like that was just like a a huge thing. Or you could tell that that was just where where she was right now, um, in, in in that place. But yeah, I just really liked her journey. And I think you know when you can when you can follow that journey with a character, to me that that means that you you are the best character in my eyes. But again, like I said, like it wasn't like easy yeah.
0: to. I think yeah, that's a good out. pick. I for all the reasons you mentioned i I also really liked her kind of development throughout the movie she really both in the movie but then looking kind of outside the movie i think she did well supporting the movie itself because it's hard for a big superhero sequel Mm -hmm. to have a sequel without your main superhero yeah so i think from both sides she was really good that that made me think of a side character that i didn't mention that i really liked um but that was her mom queen ramonda I think she did really well, mm. and I considered her for a side character. She did. Um, I know she's actually, she's up for an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress because she was so good yeah. in it, uh, so I wanted to, to shout mm-hmm. her out as well. Uh, best character, one character I wanted to go with that I know you will make fun of me for, so I did not go with it. It's
1: it, not Splat, is
0: it? No, I already mentioned Splat for side character, okay. and I okay. think she's more of a side character by nature, but uh, I, I want to mention Namor. I really liked his portrayal. I think, yeah, again, I don't need to go too far into it because I did not pick him, but I thought he was a really good villain. I also, another superhero movie, and you mentioned how good she was in the scenes, but Wanda was a really good character to me. Also a villain. Theme, we got a theme. But did really well. (laughs) But the person I'm going with, not a villain. Also a superhero movie. But a superhero movie you did not see, so I know you won't be able to comment much on it. I don't we haven't talked about this movie yet, and I thought it was it was a really good movie in its own right. I thought the character itself was really good, so I wanted to give it a kind of a shout for best character, even though I don't think far and away he was the best character. Um, but I'm going Batman in the Batman movie. I think there's been there's been so many portrayals of Batman even more than than Spider-Man at this point i think everybody sees the Christian Bale Batman as probably their most favorite it was the best Batman movies when he was when he was the actor so Robert Pattinson comes in and when he gets cast it's like are we talking about the the Twilight Robert Pattinson like that's going to be your Batman but i think he he portrayed this young i don't want to say naive but just this young Batman that is darker than some of the other ones we've seen is still kind of learning where Mm -hmm. he fits. And, and again, it's, it's sort of hard to, to differentiate the movie from the character itself. Like I thought the movie as a whole was really good. It was dark, but it was good. Uh, But I think how he portrayed it, especially since we have so many other Batmans to compare him to was a really good balance of, this hero who's also more of like a vigilante who's dark who's trying to do the right thing Uh, again i i think he was just to me the best character of the year he stood out
1: so the best batman
0: that's up for debate that would be a good debate Mm -hmm. i i Mm -hmm. I really like christian bale i really like those movies i know we're gonna get more batman with robert pattinson okay so potentially he could be but that's a conversation for another time
1: I think my grandma would agree with you
0: (laughs) she likes Robert Pattinson
1: she she loves that man
0: that leaves the final award of our 2022 popular movie awards the best movie and again this we're not just a recap we're not saying oh yeah the best acted movie and the best story and how it fit in and you know we're not critics like that at least for for me i'm saying best movie like did i really enjoy this movie did i walk away thinking about this movie can i watch it multiple times all that sort of thing yeah i have my top three and I, i believe the top three will probably be your top three so without i'm not putting them in any order but alphabetically i have avatar 2 black panther 2 and Top Gun 2 hmm. was your top 3 any different than that uh, that order no just were those 3 movies in your top yes. 3 yes
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: ok mm-hmm. so our, our best movie was from one of those 3 I will yeah. give you the honors of going first
1: well I thought it would be interesting to probably guess for each other
0: ok alright I have a guess for you
1: okay go ahead
0: I think you're saying Avatar 2 okay for all the reasons you've mentioned in some of the other awards that you've given it Mm -hmm. I think you really like Black Panther 2 I think you also like really like Top Gun but I think just walking out of the theater just again the spectacle that you get plus the emotional attachment you had to it I think you're going Avatar 2
1: okay I think you're going with Top Gun (laughs) why? <laughs> for all of the reasons the song choices the um the scene that you really described and how you described that it was giving you chills and you I don't remember the last time that you've seen it plus I know that you watched it about three times maybe four so I think you really enjoyed it and um yeah was I right
0: or were, were, was I right in picking for you yes you were you were right and you were right for top Top gun avatar any other reasons for for avatar 2
1: i think it was hard i think you reminded me how much i really liked avatar 2 because in the like thinking thinking back through it black panther 2 was on the top of like my mind but like when i think about leaving the theater like honestly i think i cried i teared up in avatar 2 and i didn't in Black Panther two, and mm-hmm. I thought that that's what I was going to do, um, for all the reasons you said, right? Not wanting it to be, it isn't, you know, not wanting to be super emotional, right? But cele- celebrating um, Chadwick, and so I appreciated that about the movie, again, but I think Avatar two, I was like, I was not expecting this, it to be great, so yeah.
0: Yeah, and again, I liked all three movies, so I don't want to put any of them down, but to me, it was a relatively easy choice for me for top gun like you said all the reasons i already said about that one the beach scene with the song the journey that they took the audience through pretty much like it was a relatively easy story to follow but yet still emotionally engaging Mm -hmm. it was still intense but it i don't want to call it a simple movie because it sounds uh, like a dig to Top Gun but it was a simple movie in the sense that the story was like I said easy to follow but what they did with it was amazing plus mm-hmm. the flying being real mm-hmm. and that just put it over the top for me mm-hmm. and that's something like we're relatively young I don't think you've seen the first Top Gun No, I have I and I thought it was it was a good movie mm-hmm. but even without that fact of some of the nostalgia that people that saw the movie in the 80s or whenever the first Top Gun movie came out, even without that, I think we still were attached to it and still really Mm -hmm. liked it. So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: again, you can go no wrong with those three, in my opinion, for best movie. That'll do it for all of our movie awards. Any, uh, any last minute thoughts generally about the movies this year in 2022?
1: I mean, I, I, Again, the top three I think st- stood out to me, <laughs> yeah. just like we talked about. So,
0: yeah. and not to say that the quote unquote Oscar movies that are nominated aren't good. Like, I'm supporting them, and I hope small movies like that do well. But I think it's good to see that Top Gun and Avatar 2 got nominated uh, this good. year for Best yeah. Picture. Yeah. Uh, the first Black Panther got nominated for Best Picture when it came out. So, I'm glad that there's some sort of mix of smaller like indie dramas Mm -hmm. that are obviously really good but then also more popular movies that more people have seen Mm -hmm. so i hope to have that sort of mixture moving forward Mm -hmm. but again thank you to my girlfriend Marleisha for coming on (laughs) i'm sure you will be back soon i know next year we'll probably do this again talking about movies in 2023 we've already got a head start on on the movies coming out this year but i'm sure you'll be on again soon talking whatever you want to talk about you're welcome (laughs) on anytime Uh, so thanks for coming on
1: thanks for having me
0: all right that will do it for the podcast again thanks to marlisha for coming on talking movies with us Uh, we will be back here on wednesday so make sure to follow us on spotify apple podcasts or our youtube channel will's wide world of sports And we will see you back here on Wednesday.